your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 492 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers coming off of a difficult one to nothing home loss to the Nashville Predators. And I got to say, this game somewhat reminded me, and not quite to this extent, but it somewhat reminded me of a Ranger-Islander matchup from either of the past two years. Not so much this season, because the Rangers beat the Islanders in their only matchup, and the Islanders are frankly terrible this season, or at least they have been thus far. So... Yeah, not this year, but in previous years, you know, the Rangers play the Islanders and, you know, you fall behind by a goal, you fall behind by two goals. It starts to feel really hopeless. And again, it was not quite to that extent because I never thought that this game was a hopeless cause last night. I mean, how could it be? They were only down by one goal and had a couple of chances at, you know, the equalizer at certain parts in this game. But it was one of those games where the Rangers were pushed around a little bit. I thought they were kind of out-muscled. They were obviously out-hit. I mean, you could just go by the eye test or you could look at the stats themselves. The Rangers, of course, were out-hit 39-22 to in this game. And in the first period specifically, I remember, you know, just four minutes into the game, the Predators were out hitting the Rangers 11-1. to So the, the Predators really came out and established a tone, uh, established a physical style that they like to play. I mean, the Predators not really known for, you know, winning games 6-5. to This is kind of how they play, and we've seen that in both of the games between the Rangers and the Predators this season. Uh, the Rangers beat the Preds 3-1 to earlier in the year. There was a late empty net goal in that game. Of course, the Predators win this one one to nothing. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of had a little bit of a Ranger Islander feel to it from years past, not quite to that extent. And one thing that I thought was positive from this game is that the Rangers clearly, I thought at least, got better and better and better as this game went. I thought the third period was the best period that they played. I thought the second period was the second best period, and the first period, it just uh, was not happening for them. And Gerard uh, Gallant, not too happy with, uh, you know, the way that the Rangers started this game specifically, but really the game as a whole. I'll read you a couple of quotes from him after the game, because he was, he was was not too happy about this, but this is what he said about the Rangers, uh, you know, starting the game a little bit slow and getting pushed around in the first period. This is what Galan had to say. We played a game the other night where it was more wide open, more space, less physical, and we convinced ourselves that we're going to play a bunch of teams like that. They were winning all their battles, and it took us 20 minutes to figure that out. And then he went on to say, there was no question it was a bad first period, but I didn't like any of it, to be honest with you. We played too soft. We didn't play a hard enough game. It was a man's game, and we didn't play it. His words, not mine. But, yeah, I mean, I, I get the frustration. I, I'm i not going to go in on the Rangers, you know, quite as much as the coach did. But, obviously, look, he knows what buttons to push, and he knows how to challenge his players and all that good stuff. Uh, like I said, I do think the Rangers played better as this game progressed. And, like I said, they had a couple of chances in the uh, third period. I, 
getting the equalizer. It just was not meant to be. And one thing that's really unfortunate from this result here is that the Rangers wasted yet another fantastic performance from Alex Georgiev. Uh, Georgiev's been great since basically becoming the Rangers starter in Igor Shesterkin's absence. Obviously, we'll keep our eyes on Igor and we'll keep our fingers crossed that he's back sooner rather than later. But it is nice to see uh, Alex Georgiev kind of holding down the fort here and stepping up in uh, the franchise goalie's absence. Obviously, it had been, it'd been a struggle for Alex Georgiev this season. First of all, it had been a struggle for him to even get on the ice and get some playing time. And of course, that's due in part, due in large part, in fact, to the fact that Igor Shesterkin has been phenomenal and looks to be an early Vesna candidate. And it's tough. You know, you're Alex Georgiev, you're only playing once every couple of weeks, and it's kind of hard to be sharp and kind of get into a rhythm. But Alex Georgiev has definitely gotten into a rhythm. He stops 23 of 24 shots against the Predators last night. And the only goal of the game was scored by Tomasino, and he actually got the Rangers for a goal in their last matchup, and it looked like it got a piece of the crossbar just a little bit, kind of deflected and went down. So, I mean, you could make the argument that Alex Georgiev was an inch or two away from holding the Predators scoreless throughout regulation because, you know, if that shot was an inch or two higher, maybe it clangs off the crossbar and bounces out of harm's way, and we've got a scoreless tie heading into the overtime period. That would have been pretty crazy to see. You know, you don't see that very often in today's NHL. And then, of course, you know, you go to three-on-three, and it's anybody's game, and who knows what could have happened. But, yeah, I mean, on that play, you know, we might as well talk about it since it was the only goal of the game, and uh, we're kind of getting into it here anyway. Uh, But basically, the Rangers just kind of got caught out of position. They had four of their five players all way on one side of the net, and, you know, the Predators are working it around the boards, working it around behind the net. They make a pass in front to Tomasino. He's wide open in kind of the high slot area, maybe a little bit on the edge of the right faceoff circle, uh, but he's got a lot of space. He uh, moves in just a little bit, lets it go, and scores. Like I said, looked like it got a little piece of the crossbar based on uh, how the puck deflected there. Uh, Kreider tried to get back. You know, he, he was he was getting over there as fast as he could. He went into a slide to try to block the shot. Couldn't quite get there in time. Uh, came close, but uh, no cigar, and yeah, that's the only goal of the game. Should also be noted that Kreider was playing in his 600th game as a New York Ranger, and we will continue to talk about everything that happened in this game. We got to get into uh, Truba's latest bone-jarring hit. Once again, a clean hit, but it also drew the ire of some players on the Predators, which is ironic because the Predators, I mean, this is the game that they want to play. They want to play a big, tough physical game. They were knocking the Rangers around all night, and then they take exception to yet another clean hit by Jacob Truba, so we'll get into that in just a second. We also got to talk about some of the benchings made by Gerard Gallant in the third period and some of the line changes that the Rangers made down the stretch as well. So we get to all that in just a second, plus some other stuff as well. But first, I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. What is a holiday memory you have with Omaha Steaks? The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter NHL into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code NHL, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steak Burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so do not wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com, and you'll get eight free burgers when entering the code NHL. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. omahasteaks.com, keyword NHL. 
Today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is also brought to you by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all your favorite episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you could do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save? Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so we'll get to the Truba hit and all the fallout from that in just a second here. But first, I actually just wanted to quickly make mention of the fact that Libor Hayek made his season debut for the Rangers last night. I was happy for him. I mean... I know that Hayek probably doesn't have much of a long-term future with the Rangers when you consider how things stand right now and when you consider some of the young defensemen that the Rangers have coming along and guys that seemingly have quite a bit more upside than Libor Hayek does. But be that as it may, again, I was still happy. I feel like, you know, given the fact that Jared Tenorti has played a handful of games for the Rangers this season, I think like five or six, and given the fact that Libor Hayek played 44 of the 56 games that the Rangers uh, played last season, and I mean, I don't think he was terrible. Again, he, he's not like an all star caliber defenseman, but I mean, this was what for the Rangers, like their, their 28th game this season, I think something along those lines. Yeah, the Rangers, their 27th game last night. I don't know that Libor High actually have to wait 27 games to make his first appearance of the season, but be that as it may, I was happy that he at least got out there. Uh, predictably, he didn't get a ton of ice time, especially relative to the other Ranger defensemen. As far as defensemen are concerned, he had the Least amount of ice time with 12 minutes and 53 seconds. He was out there with Patrick Nemeth, who had 13.25. Um, but yeah, Hayek, two shots on goal, two block shots, one giveaway. I thought he did fine. He didn't really necessarily stand out one way or the other. But, you know, if on the Rangers, I mean, I've talked about this before. Again, it does not look like there's really a spot for him here. I say just deal the guy for a fourth-round pick and be done with it. But... I mean, I, I guess maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to have him as a healthy scratch. If somebody gets hurt, whatever might happen, uh, you have an opportunity to plug him in there. And of course, the entire reason he was playing was because uh, Nils Lundqvist was sick. It was a non-COVID-related illness, so Hayek gets to play his first game of the season. And somebody that seems pretty likely to be dealt at one time or another, because again, I, I just don't see a short-term or long-term future really for Libor Hayek with the Rangers. Uh, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. We'll see if Lundqvist is feeling better. If he is, I fully expect him to be back out there. If he's not, then maybe we see Libor Hayek for another game against the Colorado Avalanche. Puck drops at 9 p.m. for that game. But yeah, let's go ahead and get to this latest hit by Jacob Truba. Uh, this was a very clean hit, and this is now Truba's third hit in, in recent games here. Is it three hits in three games? I think it is. It's three hits in three games. No, excuse me. It's three hits in four games. He didn't do it. He didn't have a big hit against the Sayers, but he had a big hit against the Avalanche. He had a big hit against the Blackhawks and obviously a big hit in this game. And he knocks this guy to the ice and everybody on the Predators is going after him. Everybody wants to fight him. And, you know, something that I've talked about in the past is that I've kind of accepted the fact that this is just kind of the way it goes in the NHL now. I mean, we could debate whether or not this is the way that it should be, but this is the way that it is. When you lay a big hit on somebody, a lot of times you're going to have to answer the bell. You're going to be, you're going to kind of have a target on your back for the rest 
rest of the game. And I actually got an email from one of you guys uh, regarding this whole subject here. And I felt like I could go ahead and read that right now. This comes to us from John V. And uh, John, he actually emailed me before this most recent hit that Truba had against the Predators. This is an email that he sent me after the two hits, the one against the Blackhawks and the one against the Avalanche. And I always love hearing from you guys on subjects like this. It's really good to uh, get some different perspectives on this show every now and then. I mean, of course, we have guests every now and then. But I love hearing from you guys and, and, and seeing how you feel about certain things like that. So, uh, John gave me his permission. I'm going to go ahead and read his email that he sent to me. And this, again, this was actually a couple of days ago, three days ago to be exact. It's Monday as I'm recording this. And uh, this is what he had to say about the entire situation. One point I disagree with, if I heard correctly, it sounded like you were okay with Truba or anyone having to fight after a hit like Truba made because it's the current code of, re of retaliation. I disagree for the following reasons, even when the receiving player is unfortunately hurt. One, there are enough infractions that actually break the rules of hockey that warrant retaliatory code. Yes, I'm speaking to you, PK Tsuban. That's awesome. The most recent and vivid example. Number two, more importantly, I now have to worry about my guy breaking a finger, or worse, in a fight, simply for playing the game within the rules. If they don't like the hard hits, then change the rules. But a player should not have to get dragged into a risky situation, fighting, because he's playing by the rules. The risk of injury is large enough just stepping on the ice in the NHL. One man's opinion, keep up the great work. And again, John, thanks for reaching out. Really do appreciate it. Love getting some different perspectives on this show. And I think you make some excellent points here. And it's a situation where it's not that I necessarily am okay with it. I've just come to kind of accept that that's the way it's going to be. I don't know of a good way to necessarily police teams from doing this. There is one suggestion, and it's apparently something that refs have begun doing more often. And it's something that we saw them do uh, in the Ranger Avalanche game. Of course, in that game, Truba laid out Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon had his head down, and, and Truba just absolutely clobbered him. And it's ironic because that's the one time where the Rangers actually played defense in that game. But he laid out McKinnon, and then Gabriel Landeskog basically jumped Truba. And just like that, whether Truba likes it or not, he's going to be in a fight. And, uh, you know, he answered the bell. He fought Landis Cog to what was probably a draw, and that's cool and everything, and, and good on Truba for standing up for himself and defending himself. But what the refs did there was they gave a two-minute penalty to Landis Cog on top of, obviously, the five minutes for fighting. Both Truba and Landis Cog got the five for fighting. Landis Cog got a two-minute minor penalty on top of that, and so the Rangers got a power play out of it. And I think, uh, to your point, John, this is something that the NHL can do to kind of uh, course correct here because you're right. It's gotten a little bit ridiculous where every time somebody lays a clean hit on somebody, you know, they have to drop the gloves and, and fight for their lives, basically. Um, one thing I will say in the defense of the Blackhawks, of the Avalanche, of the Predators, of any team in the NHL that does this, that goes after somebody who lays out one of their guys, they don't have the benefit of slow motion replay like all of us do. They might, they might not even see it, you know, cleanly. They might see something happen out of the corner of their eyes. And, you know, like, take take the Blackhawks, for example. Their guy, uh, Kyra, is laying there on the ice on his back and not moving an inch. I mean, that was a scary situation. So, in a situation like that, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's probably going to be some kind of a response. And, you know, something else that I'll say is that, you know, if that had happened to one of the players on the Rangers, I certainly would have wanted the Rangers to, to go after the guy who did it. Um, there has to be some kind of a response in, in a situation like that, I think. You know, you got to make sure that teams know that you're going to stand up for yourselves and all that good stuff. But, John, I do think you make some good points here. I don't think every single player in the NHL, and obviously Truba is the obvious example right now, 
should have to necessarily get into a fight for every single clean hit that they lay on somebody. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it is right now. But like I said, I do like the idea of the referees. If they deem the hit to be legal and somebody gets charged and is forced to fight, then that guy who forces the player to fight, he should get an additional two-minute penalty on top of that. And maybe that'll somewhat, at least somewhat, make teams think twice about doing this, about going after somebody for what's obviously a clean hit. And some other issue that I had, you know, obviously John sent me this email before the game against the Predators last night, but the biggest issue that I have with this, this was by far uh, the one where there was no gray area whatsoever. I mean, this was as clean as it gets. Chuba knocks this guy to the ice, and the entire Predator team wants to fight him. Well, the Predators all night had been knocking the Rangers around. They end up laying 39 hits on the Rangers. I mean, they they were vicious. There were some pretty big hits in this game from the Predators. And if you notice, you know, when the Rangers were taking these hits, I mean, getting knocked around in the corner, getting knocked to the ice, the whole nine yards, they handled it like adults. There was no retaliatory nonsense. There was no, you know, somebody hits me and I'm going to slash him on his shins with my stick. There was nothing like that coming from the Rangers in this game. They handled their business like adults. Now, the Rangers put one big hit on somebody on the Predators, and half the Predators team wants to go after Jacob Truba about it and wants to look to try to fight him about it. And granted, no fight actually ended up happening. But the fact that the Predators, like I said, playing this physical, big-hitting game all night, and now the Rangers put one big hit on the Predators, and they're going to take exception to it. That's a little bit ridiculous. So I did have an issue with that as well. Turnabout's fair play, and Truba is allowed to hit people. But we will continue talking about all this in just a second, kind of put a bow on our discussion of the Rangers and Predators game and also kind of look ahead at what's coming up for the Rangers. But first, just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Stance. I've heard a lot of people talking about Stance recently, and at first, you're not so sure. You don't really believe them. They, they can't really all be that soft, or it's probably not made as well as everybody's making it sound like it is. Uh, you know, initially, I thought that Stance was probably just another one of those trends that people are always coming up with, but I got to say, all that changed when somebody finally ended up getting me some Stance of my own, and yes, they've made a believer out of me as well. This stuff is great. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. What are some of your favorite designs? You got the Wu-Tang Clan, Batman, Star Wars, The Office, Disney, Major League Baseball, NBA, etc., etc., etc. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. So the Rangers in the third period juggled their lines a little bit, first time in a long time, and obviously that's kind of to be expected when you've been on the kind of roll that the Rangers have been on recently. Although I will say uh, we're not too far away from a three-game losing streak here because obviously that game against Buffalo got pretty dicey at the end, and if you listen to the NHL, that play should not have been ruled offside, and that goal should have counted, and uh, the Rangers and Sabres would have been 2-2 going into overtime there. So uh, we're a blown offside call away from potentially losing three straight games. I mean, that only would have tied the game against Buffalo. Goes into overtime, maybe the Rangers can win it. But you get the idea. They've stumbled a little bit recently after an unbelievable hot streak. But yeah, they juggled the lines. They had Julian Gauthier up with Mika and Kreider toward the end of the game. You had Capo Caco moving down with Panarin and Strom. And you also had 
I don't know if they're outright benchings or just reduced ice time, like severely reduced ice time, because we didn't see a lot of Alexi Lafreniere down the stretch here. He ends up with only 19, excuse me, nine minutes and 18 seconds of ice time. That was the second fewest amount of ice time for any player on the Rangers, only to Ryan Reeves with 8.55. So there was that. Uh, Kako was kind of missing an action at times in the third period, and he ends up with just 12 minutes and eight seconds of ice time. And uh, Dryden Hunt, you know, I, I didn't really see a whole lot of him near the end of the game either. I would assume that, you know, given the fact that we definitely saw Gautier with Kreider and Mika, and we definitely saw a little bit of Kako with Strom and Panarin. Uh, maybe Hunt was down on the third line at a certain point. I uh, didn't see a ton of him down the the stretch of this game, though. So, yeah, I mean, Gallant not messing around. He expects this to be the hardest working team in the NHL. That's something that he said during his introductory press conference, and there were times in this game where I thought the Rangers definitely got Maybe not definitely, but if they didn't definitely get outworked, there were times where they at least got outmuscled. And I mean, granted, this is a very physical uh, Predators team. This is the kind of game that they want to play. This is always going to be a gut check. Um, but the Rangers just didn't answer the bell at certain chunks in this game, just kind of getting outworked and outmuscled and outhit by the Nashville Predators, which has not happened a lot this season for the Rangers, but something that, you know, Gallant clearly, he he does not want this to become a habit. He wants them to uh, be, like I said, the hardest working team in the NHL, a team that's going to bring it every single night, a team that's going to compete hard uh, every single game. And we'll see what we get from the Rangers on Tuesday. They will be back in action in Colorado against the Avalanche. I mean, this is a tough stretch for the Rangers. They're playing a lot of games in not a lot of time. They are playing, let's see, seven games in the span of just... 11 days. I mean, that is a lot. And this week, you know, the Sunday game against Nashville, that's just the start of, you know, a pretty, uh, pretty demanding trip here for the Rangers. Uh, they, they, like I said, home against Nashville on Sunday, then you're at Colorado on Tuesday, at the Coyotes on Wednesday, and then home against the Knights on Friday. The Knights starting to play a little bit better as well. So it's gut check time for the Rangers, and we'll see if they can uh, pay back the Colorado Avalanche for what was obviously a pretty one-sided beatdown uh, this past week against the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. This one, of course, will be on the road, and we'll be staying up late because that game starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. But like I touched upon you know, briefly earlier in this episode, I do think one of the silver linings of this game is that the Rangers did get better as it went on, and they had a power play in the third period. This happened with 13.35 left. Uh, Adam Fox had just jumped onto the ice. He was moving into the offensive zone, and he got tripped up. So the Rangers get on the power play, and we know how good the power play has been recently. And, you know, the Predators, obviously, they don't they don't give an inch on the ice. I mean, it's, it's a big, tough physical team. And I will say this, I don't envy the team that has to play the Nashville Predators in the playoffs. And of course, there are not even any guarantees that the Predators are even going to make the playoffs. I, I think they probably will. But I mean, this is a team that plays, you know, a grinded out style of hockey. They're big, they're tough, they're physical, and they have an excellent goalie on top of all that. So I do not envy the team that draws the Predators in the first round of the postseason. Of course, if the Rangers play the Predators in the postseason, that's a good problem to have because that would mean it's the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, but yeah, talking about this power play a little bit here. They had a couple of excellent chances, specifically Ryan Strom, a couple of excellent chances. Mika Zibanejad has the puck uh, along the goal line. He passes in front to Kreider, and Kreider slides a pass over to his right to Ryan Strom. Uh, Strom couldn't get the shot away immediately, and we had UC Soros moving hard to his left, tried to get it with his glove, ends up getting a piece of it with his pad, keeps the puck out, and then not too long after this, we had Panarin sending a cross-ice feed to Ryan Strom. Strom's in kind of a similar spot on the ice, a little bit farther away from the goal this time, but he takes another shot, and this time, uh, Soros snags it with his glove. So a lot of chances on this power play overall. I just gave you the two big ones, uh, but the Rangers were buzzing here. They had an opportunity, and like I said, they did play a little bit better in this game as it progressed, which is obviously encouraging to see. And uh, something else that I got to uh, mention here, you know, obviously we talked about 
about the Truba hit. Something else that I had in my notes that I didn't mention uh, in the first instance that we were talking about this hit is the simple fact that this kind of woke the crowd back up. It got the Rangers going. I mean, the Rangers were talking about this after the game. I think Kreider mentioned this. That it kind of got the boys going a little bit, woke everybody back up, and we saw the Rangers. I mean, their game clearly had an uptick after this big hit by Jacob Truba, and it woke the fans back up. You know, not that it was quiet or anything like that, but obviously, you know, this game at times was a little bit of a slog. The Rangers were down one nothing for a good chunk of this game, and then you get this big hit by Truba, who's been dealing out a lot of big hits recently, and the crowd comes to its feet, and they're loud, and they're making noise, and they're into it down the stretch here. Uh, like I said, there were times where it really felt like the equalizer was coming. It was not meant to be, and the Predators hang on for the once nothing win. Uh, that's pretty much it as far as, you know, everything that I wanted to talk about here today with you guys. But, you know, I will say this. This is something that I, I continue to remind everybody about, and I've heard back from a couple of you on this matter. But we are going to, probably toward the end of December, take a look at some different New York Ranger trade targets. You know, this is something that I've talked about in the past. It's something that we'll continue to talk about in the future. We'll at least do this once a month where I read your guys' ideas as far as players you would like to see the Rangers target. So if you have any ideas, uh, send me an email, DM me on Twitter, and I can read that, you know, on a future episode. I'm curious to see what you guys come up with. I mean, there's some names that I'm sure uh, will come up fairly often. And then there's some other ideas. Maybe if you've got an out-of-the-box idea that you want to throw out there, go for that as well. There's no idea too strange uh, for me to read on an episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys can come up with. Uh, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be recapping everything that happens between the Rangers and the Colorado Avalanche, so do not miss that. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.